Hello, it's me again. I'm back. Uh, <laughs> we are continuing a series we started last week entitled Scare Tactics. It's Halloween season, right? I mean, everywhere you go, you can't go into Walmart without the Walmart greeter trying to scare you or something. I mean, everywhere you go, it's just it, our, our culture is inundated in the month of October with Halloween and scary. And again, this isn't a, you know, keep your kids away from, you know, bunker yourself in the house, turn the lights off, you know, and, and don't let anybody know that you're uh, alive on Halloween night kind of a series. Or the opposite, you know, go out there and celebrate all day long and forget what the holiday is really about. All right. It's neither one of those two. All right. So I promise you're not going to feel guilty whether you're here and you are on that fence. Right. Um, it's really just an awareness message to just let us remind ourselves that, first of all, there's an enemy. Because you love God and because God loves you, there is a real enemy who wants to make sure you never make it to heaven. You never make God and you in this relationship work. He's real. The Bible calls him the enemy, the Satan, the deceiver, all these great words and titles that talk about how he just wants to separate you and God. He's real. And he really only has one tactic that he's used for the beginning of time. Fear. He's tried to scare us away from the Lord. Oh, did, God didn't tell you you could be just like him. Oh, you didn't know that. He's tried to confuse us. He's tried to bring fear. And so this series is really just an awareness of the scare tactics that the enemy uses. And it's really just one word, this word fear. And I pray that us as believers, and maybe you're in this room and you're not quite a Christ follower. You, you like us. You think we're different and you like that. All right, it hasn't scared you away. But maybe you haven't committed your whole life into this whole Jesus thing, and partly because fear played a role in this. I pray that at the end of this series, the Word of God would be true in your heart, that the love of God that is the perfect love would literally drive out all fear in your life about Him or who He is or what He wants to do in you. But last week, we started this series about this type of fear that, that, that the enemy uses called the fear of intimacy, the fear of being close to Him, to each other. And how that's got to, we got we to change the way that we think. We got to let God uh, speak to our hearts. And I want you to go watch that online if you can. It's a great opener to this series. But tonight we're going to talk about a different kind of fear. A fear that most of us have experienced and really is still on the top of like the top five fears of the world. And that's the fear of rejection. Oh. I would never, could never be the guy that sits on the other end of the telephone and calls people and says, hey, would you mind, you know, casting this vote or would you mind trying this new product? Because nine out of ten times what you're going to get on the other end of that phone call is a big fat no. Who are you? And why are you calling me? And this over and over and over and over. I bless those who have the gift of letting that just wash off your back. That's, I, I would feel so, I'd walk out of the office and feel so defeated because of this fear of rejection. None of us like it. We want to be accepted by everybody. We, we will change our outer appearance, sometimes very drastically, just so we don't face the fear of rejection. And the verse that we've kind of led this whole series off and we'll continue to lead off is in 2 Timothy. If you have your app or you have your Bible, we're going to be in 2 Timothy and really, 2 Timothy really all over Scripture tonight. But 2 Timothy 1.7 that says this, First of all, you have not been given a spirit of fear. That doesn't come from the Lord. The fear of I'm not good enough, the fear of intimacy, the fear of rejection, which we're going to talk about tonight. None of these fears comes from God. They're not in our nature that God wanted to have for us. But what is? The Bible says, but we've actually been given the spirit of power. If it's behind me, and it's, you, know, you all know the rules. Maybe you're new tonight. 
But when you see a word up there that don't look like all the other words, you're supposed to join me in how to say this out loud, all right? Just so that way you know you're not asleep, all right? But we've been given a spirit that says, but of power and of love and of a sound mind or the ability to discern or the ability to have uh, discipline in our life to go, you know what? That's not true. That's wrong. Uh, we're, that's what God gives us. Not the spirit of fear, uh, 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 but we've been given the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And tonight I want to talk about this fear of rejection. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, a trap. It will prove to you. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I don't know about you, but I want to be safe when it comes to rejection because rejection hurts and I don't like getting hurt. Okay. No one likes walking just through themselves through punishment for the sake of punishment's sake. Rejection hurts. And so because I don't want to be rejected, I don't want to be hurt. I want to be safe, but it's not the kind of safe that we think. I'm going to play it safe by just not talking to anybody. Right. I'll just, I'll just avoid everyone because that's where the rejection is. You, <laughs> you're the reason why I have a fear of rejection because when I talk to you, you don't say hi to me. When I walk by the highway and I put my hand up and you disown me. And when I fist bump you, you don't know what to do and you put your hand in and it's awkward and it's like, oh, there's rejection again. Ah! So I'll just avoid people. So we're going to talk really quickly about two traps, two snares. It says this, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. And some of us, we're, we're ensnared, we're entrapped by this fear of rejection. Why? Because the source of it is really the fear of man. Now we're led through Scripture to have a fear of the Lord and awe of God. But we're never led in Scripture to have fear of man. Matter of fact, Proverbs says it's going to be a trap. It's going to prove to you to be a trap. So tonight there are two traps, two rejection traps that show up that we can fall prey to if we're not careful when we're dealing with this fear of rejection. The first trap is this. The the person in this room that may be overly starved for attention, you're prone to fall into the trap of rejection because you put yourself out there in a very overt kind of a way. I mean, your whole business is on Facebook and the internet, and we can Google you and go, well, I know where her life has been. I've seen all her drama right there on Facebook and right there on Instagram. There are some of us in this room, we fall prey to this rejection fear because we have been overly starved. We have starved ourselves. We have, we, we have been hurt by people. We have been starved by, by affection, and, and it has caused us to be overly starved. So we put ourselves out there because we're so desperate to be loved by someone. A great word picture of this is the, in the book of uh, 1 Samuel, chapter 16, we see the king, Saul. If you don't know who King Saul is, he was Israel's first king. God didn't want him to have a king in the first place. He said, hello, I'm your king. But they fought for a king. And, and so Samuel is, uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, the prophet Samuel anoints Saul, and Saul is named the first king. And we have this, we have this great experience, but then all of a sudden, Saul starts to become desperate for people's attention. He starts to become so uh, accustomed to people calling him your majesty, right? Your, your royalty. He becomes accustomed to the praises of men. And he falls into the trap of overly starving himself of attention and being the center of his world. And we find this in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 24, the story of King Saul in the Old Testament. And Saul is saying this. Here's what's happened. God has given him a direct order. He said, I want you to do this, King Saul. I want you to obey me. And I, I mean, he lays out A, B, C, D, E, and F. This is how I want you to do it. 
And Saul says, great. And he goes out there, and he gets to A, and he's like, I got A. He gets to B, I did B. He gets to C, and he goes, that may not be popular amongst the men if I go all the way down to the letter C. If I do what God tells me to do all the way, what are the guys going to say? Come on, guys in the room that have ever struggled with that. What are the dudes going to say if I respect the ladies like everyone, you know, like the word tell what are they going to what are they going to think I'm a uh, whatever they're going to call your name they're going to put some verbiage in there to describe you and oh you're not this you're not a real whatever and so Saul gets into this situation this trap he's been asked to do something be uh, to be this kind of a king and to do these tasks and he gets in he's like uh, what are they going to what are, what are those I'm so starved for their attention that he actually disobeys the Lord and this is the spiral that starts to happen in Saul's life. Well, I, and then he goes to a letter D. Well, I didn't do that either. I kept that. I, I, and it just keeps getting worse from me. And Samuel, the prophet, shows up to Saul and says, Guess what, Saul? God has seen everything that you've done, dude. And uh, he told you to do A, B, C, and D to the T, and you didn't do it. You did A because it was easy. You did B because it made sense. But C was a little complicated, and you didn't do it. And you did whatever you wanted to do. You, you were afraid of your men and you followed after what they thought. And he says, so from that, uh, God's decided to remove your kingdom from you. Take the seat of the throne away from you. And these are Saul's words. And he says this, I have sinned. He's speaking to Samuel at this point, the prophet. He says, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's Command, A, B, C, D. I was afraid of the, yeah. And so I gave into them. See, there's a trap that we fall into when we're so overly starved. When God is not the source of everything in our life, when God is not the source of our intimacy we talked about last week, when God is not the source of who we are and every, our makeup and our fiber, guess what? People become very, more, uh, people become, uh, very, very much more of the opinion in our life and theirs that goes above the Lord's, their rises above what God tells us to do, their rises above what he says and all of a sudden what they begin to say means more than what God begins to say. Culture begins to come into our hearts and say, no, you don't really have to do it that way. You can kind of fudge on that a little bit. No, you can kind of blur the lines there a little bit in God's words like, no, 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 no. This is where I've, I've, I've designed these boundaries for you. But we become overly starved because we've, we've been rejected, because we've stood for something. And it's hurt when people say, oh, you, yeah. You believe that, really? You still believe in that old ancient text thing, Bible? You still to follow that thing and it's hurt us and it's hurt us and so we've been we become overly starved that's one of the rejection traps we become overly starved like king saul we begin to listen and we are afraid of the people the bible says so i gave he says i gave in to them i used to be a people pleaser i still struggle with this i struggle with this being in public ministry i struggle with being a people pleaser and i've learned this that approval addicts have an inability to confront Put that in your notes. I'm an approval addict. I want your approval. I want you to like me. I want you to think I'm doing a good job. Uh, moving from student ministries to here has been the best and the worst thing for me. So you don't know this about student ministry. When you're preaching to teenagers, you just hope you get to the end of the message without everyone walking out. Okay? You just hope that there's one of those students doesn't fall asleep in the whole thing. Right? You're like, please, Lord, just today, don't let them be making out in the back row. Just let them be paying attention. God, do what you have to, you know. I come over here, 
And man, I, I, there have been times, be, I'm being as real as I can be. There have been times I've presented God's word, and I'm like, man, I did a terrible job. My wife said, yeah, you did. It was awful. I didn't really like it. It was, you know. And so I walk out of here. No, she's never done. She's my biggest fan, my biggest encouragement. But I, I've, I've walked out of here going, that was terrible. And someone inevitably will come up to me and be like, that was the best word for me. I'm like, oh, I, I like this. Come, come tell me some more. Uh, and I, I, I've told my wife, I said, this has been the best thing for me. And, and one of the most challenging things for me. Because you're kind. You, 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 you're, you're people. I don't know what teenagers are right now. They're not people. But <laughs> you're, you get me. And I've struggled with this. We have an inability to confront. And so sometimes it's like, you're coming, oh, I loved your message. Oh, it was awesome. Uh, well, tell me, you know, what's going on? Yeah, well, I'm living with my boyfriend. And I'm like, oh, do I say something? Uh, she just told me this was like the most amazing sermon ever. Uh, oh, do I really say, yeah, you probably shouldn't. I struggle with that. And so do you. Because of this fear of rejection, the enemy whispers in our head and says, what are people going to think about you? We become overly starved. Approval addicts, that's what I was. I'm a recovering approval addict. Sometimes we have the inability to confront. Saul should have looked at his men and said, no, God's word says this. We're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to stick to it. And I know it's not the most popular thing to do, but we're going to do it. And he doesn't. He bends and he, because he wants the approval, the overly starved. Approval addicts give in but are inwardly angry and resentful. Because they're mad at themselves. Oh, I gave in. Saul's like, at the rest, of this, the rest of the passage in 16, he beats himself up. Oh, and he's mad at God. He's mad at Saul. He's mad at his men. But the reality is he's mad at himself because he realized he's given up this great gift. What have you given up that God has birthed inside of you? That God has said, no, I've ordained you for this, young person. I've marked you for greatness. But you've given it up because of the approval of others was more important. Be careful of being overly starved because rejection comes in and says you're not good enough, so we become starved. And then the other trap is this, overly cautious people. So we got those that are just like, here I am, you know, please love me. And then you got the other ones that are like, don't talk to me. Uh, I was hurt 25 years ago. <laughs> and I still have the scars. See, that's it. That's all. Don't talk to me. You know, the overly cautious Proverbs 28 talks about this person. It says, blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. The overly cautious, the I can't trust anybody. I've been rejected by so many people, so I'm going to just build this little wall, and no one can get in, and I'm going to live here, and I'm going to be safe, and I'll never be hurt by anybody else, and I'll live alone. I live alone. The overly cautious person says, I, I don't want to ever take a risk on someone. I don't want everyone to take a risk. We talked about prayerfully taking a risk last week. Go look it up. I said prayerfully, not because he brings hot Cheetos and you think he's the one. Yes, he's the one I'm supposed to marry because he likes my preference of taste. No, but, we're, we're, but we've got to be cautious that the rejection trap can set for us. Those of us that have been hurt, we don't want to get hurt and we harden our heart and we don't let anybody in. We become, the Bible says, we fall into trouble. John talks about these people when Jesus was here. So let's go in the New Testament. we got Old Testament, but here's Jesus. He's been preaching. He's been doing amazing things. I mean, he's been raising people from the dead. Lazarus has been raised from the dead at this point. Pretty amazing. There's one part of the scripture in John chapter 12 where Lazarus is like eating with everybody, and they're still kind of like, that's Lazarus. He was dead like three days ago. This is weird. And there, there's this great story that goes on, and all of a sudden, it, Jesus is doing great things, but, but he comes across this people group that are so like, we, we like him, we don't like him. 
he's done some pretty neat things, but we don't trust him. And they're just on this seesaw up and down. We're on his page. We're off his page. We like Jesus. We don't know about Jesus. And, and, and John, in the book of John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43, we get this picture. They were called the Pharisees. And it says this. Because of the Pharisees. Now, this is a long one. You don't have to say this whole thing. But just read it with me. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith. For here it is. For fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise from men more than the praise from God. They were like, yeah, we want to put our faith in Jesus, but if we do, what are they going to say? And so therefore, we're going to be cautious, and we're going to just like him from a distance. And the Bible says Jesus himself is going to say, whoever denied me here, when we stand before my Father, I'll have to deny them there. The overly cautious, and I, I, I speak to the one in the room, you've been hurt. I told you this last week. Your pain is real that you feel. But can I challenge you, God is the ultimate healer. You've been overly cautious. You've been overly, I don't know if I can trust this place. I don't like organized religion. I hear that all the time in young adult ministry. I don't like organized religion. Well, the other opposite of that is chaotic religion. I don't like that either, okay? So you're going to have to have a happy medium with me and you and tell you that it's about the relationship that we teach here at Jesus, about Jesus, not about religion and stuff. But you've been overly cautious about it. I don't know. Can I trust those people? I don't know. Can I trust that young adult ministry? Can I trust the person sitting next to me? Look at him and just give him that shifty eye. Like, can I trust you? Can I trust you? Hopefully it's not your spouse. All right. <laughs> so you have the overly starved that just put themselves out there like, I love anybody. And they go chasing relationships after relationship and getting burned and getting burned. And then you got the overly cautious that don't want to let anybody in. And so therefore, because they don't want to ever be rejected, they're afraid of rejection. And these translate into our relationship with the Lord. And so tonight, I just, two simple things and we're done. But I want us to be free from the fear of rejection by doing two things. And you can do these. How do I know this? Because I've been set free from these myself. Tonight, this message is personal from me to you. I've walked through this. And I am still walking through this in victory with God's help. The first is this. To be set free from the fear of rejection is what you got to do. You got to start by saying yes to pleasing God. It starts with a mega yes. God, whatever you say, I will do. I am on this planet for one reason, and that is to bring glory and honor to your name, not to my own. Not to my companies, not to my churches, but to bring the name of Jesus and make it infamous and famous. Right? That's... It starts by saying a mega yes to the Lord. Check out what Jesus would say, and I think his words are pretty powerful. Matthew chapter 6, 33, he says, But seek this kingdom. What kingdom he's talking about? First, his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all this stuff will add to you. Young adult in this room, you've been overly starved. You've been chasing after all these other different relationships. You've been, maybe you, or you've been a cautious. Listen, I'm here to tell you, seek God first, and he will add all of that other stuff to you. But it starts with saying a mega yes to the Lord. Yes, I will please you. I will focus on saying yes to whatever you tell me to. I know culture is always trying to pull me this way or pull me that way. It wants me to say yes to every, everything it throws at me. But God, I'm going to start today by saying you're the first yes in my life. And that starts by saying yes to him in your heart. Saying, Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life. I seek you first. And you'll add all the other stuff in my life. Right? Seek Jesus first. It starts by being fear of rejection, by, by not worrying about what others say. It starts by saying yes to pleasing the Lord. 
And maybe right now you just need to take a moment in the margins of your Bible or in your app and just begin to let the Holy Spirit say, what is it that you need to say yes to right now? What's that immediate yes? But I don't want to do it because what are people going to, God's saying, silence that tonight. Say yes to me. What is that immediate yes that you need to respond to? Because it's going to set you free from the fear of being rejected, being broken down and not accepted. It starts by saying yes, but then it moves very quickly to saying no to pleasing man. It starts by saying yes to pleasing God. God, you are going to be the source of my joy. And I'm going to start saying no to pleasing people and men. Can we do that? <laughs> is, is that biblical? Yeah, it is. Here we go. Uh, Isaiah 51. Isaiah the prophet reminds us uh, that we're not here to please people. We're here to please him. And then by doing so, when we please the Lord and we're kind to one another, that pleases him as well. Here we go. Who are you that you fear mortal men? Who are we that we fear mortal men? And he's going to tell us who mortal men is. The sons of men who are but grass. I love that. I can be mowed over any time. I can be cut down. I can be replaced. I'm sod. To, you know, that's basically what he's saying. That you forget the Lord, your maker. He's just reminding us. And, and all that whole passage of Isaiah, he's like, who part of the Red Sea? Who did that? Was that you? Did some dude do that? Did some guy just come walking by and say, hey, uh, let's get all these millions of people out of uh, bondage and let's walk them through the, de- through the desert and, and walk them through, uh, open up the sea. No, it's God saying, I did that. Don't forget who your maker is. Don't forget who we were set on this planet to even be in communion with. It was him. It starts by saying a mega yes to the Lord. Then it starts by saying, I'm not going to be a people pleaser. Who am I to fear mortal men? I got to be honest with you. In ministry, we're, we're designed to serve. That's, the, that's what we're taught from Pastor Jim down, servant leadership. And I love that that's our culture here at West Hilly Hills. But don't get for one second, don't get for one second that you or anybody in this room are why I get up here to do what I do. I do this to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus. He is what gets me out of bed. He saved my life. You didn't. You didn't have anything to do with that. Jesus did. And I want as many of us in this room, many of those watching online, I want everybody in the world to know that Christ is the reason why I stand here. Christ is the source. I aim to please him and not be afraid of pleasing people. Paul's going to wrap this up and we're going to close this out very soon. Luis, you can come on out. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, it just says this. Paul, he struggled with this. Paul was, he was a beast, man. Paul in Scripture was a beast. He was the guy that, I mean, he literally wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament. So guy has something to say. And he says these words. Paul, of all people who was Saul transformed in his life from this to this, I mean, he could have said, hey, 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 guys, I'm the guy. Y'all need to listen to me and watch what I do. But here's what he says. He says, am I now trying to win, Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, am I now trying to win the approval of men or God? Let's just ask ourselves that question. Have I gotten so wrapped up in culture and PC and being politically correct that I have started to 
say yes to men and wait, God. That doesn't quite fit culture right now. Have I, have I started to find the approval of men more important than the approval of, of God? Am I trying to please men? Question. And he says this, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. As if to say that I can't please men and please God. I, I, I have to say my sole purpose on this planet and to breathe and, and to live is to bring glory and honor to him. Not that I go through because that's the overly starved and start busting people through and go, hey, you're going to hell, you know. This doesn't give you permission to be mean. And they'd be like, I don't have to please you, so I don't have to do the dishes tonight. I don't have to. That's not what this is giving us permission to do. It's, it's speaking to those in this room that have been bound. I can't, I can't pray in my campus because of what people are going to think. I can't bring my Bible to work because what are they going to say? I can't live out loud. I can't be a Christ follower in my own home because my husband doesn't believe, and so therefore I'm bound they're going to reject me if I do that. What are they going to say? This is for that conversation. And tonight, you'd be free by saying, I'm not here to please anybody but the Lord. I say yes to him. I say no to pleasing others. I have to live for an audience of one. At the end of your notes, I put there, that's the goal of this message. The goal of the fearless uh, life is to live for an audience of one. I love you, but I love Jesus more. He is everything to me. He is everything to me. He has done so much in my life. I love him. And I'm going to live my life. I'm going to teach my family. I'm going to teach my son. Son, it's easy to get into the whispers of men in your ear. Don't preach about that. Don't say that. Don't do this. I'm here to live for an audience of one. Jesus said it the best, and I'll close with this. He himself said, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. My judgment is just, for I seek not to please. Jesus said that, myself, but him who sent me. All through Jesus' ministry, he would say, listen, yeah, yeah, I know, but it was my Father who sent me. I do nothing on my own strength. It was the Holy Spirit. So can we take from the example of Christ and be set free from the fear of rejection? Well, what are they going to think? It doesn't matter what they think. And you need to figure out who the they are in your life. What does he think about you? What does he say about you? And you'd be surprised what he says about you. Things like you're chosen. That's about you. I don't know. He didn't choose me. He chose her. No, no, no. He chose you. The Bible says he, he saw you from the beginning of time. Placed you in this room for a purpose. Gave you a set of lungs to breathe oxygen in and out and to be a living being in this century for a reason. You're not an accident. Stop pretending to be one. Stop hiding in the shadows of rejection and step out and own the fact that our God calls you his own son, his own daughter. You're a child. 
of royalty tonight. Your child of royalty, he's already accepted you in his arms. So would you just, all of, we're just going to have a reflective moment, if that's all right. Just close our eyes, bow our heads all over this place. Watching online, join us in this moment, wherever you may be, as long as you're not driving. All right, just join us. Join us. And here's what I feel like the Holy Spirit is just encouraging us to ask those questions. Who, who am I trying to please? Like Paul was saying, am I here to please man or, or God? Who is it that I'm trying to please? Have I been bound by this fear of rejection? But if I don't say this or dress this way or act this way or say these words or follow this person on Twitter or tweet these things out even, or if I don't have this kind of account or this kind of phone, or this, what, who, who are the noise that we, who are the they? Identify. And then very quickly silence it. And ask this question of God right here in this room right now. Father, what do you say in me? Holy Spirit, reveal right now to each individual person like you did at the woman at the well. No, 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 no. I am who you say I am. I am the, I am the seed. Will you just speak to each and every one of us individually right now? You said to her, I am he. I am the one. God, will you just speak that to each heart individually tonight? Transcend the internet. Speak to that person who's watching online. Who, Lord, maybe doesn't want to show up because they don't feel worthy in the house. Of, I don't know. Break this fear of rejection over our lives tonight. I speak freedom over this room to be God-pleasers and not wrapped up in pleasing man. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray.